بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد الله سبحانه وتعالى هي سرن هيز بوك وإنك لعلى خلق عظيم Indeed, you, O Muhammad, occupy a high station of character. You, O Muhammad, are of a high character, a high standard of character. The greatest person to have the greatest type of character is our Messenger, والسلام. There is no human being whose character whose mannerisms are better, greater, more noble, more lofty than Muhammad ibn Abdullah If we want to know how to be with other people, if we want to know how to interact with other people, if we want to know what are good etiquettes, all you have to do is look at your messenger you don't have to turn to the theories of the social scientists of modern, this modern era. Those people, they devise their, what, yani, what they consider to be good manners and good etiquettes based upon trial and error. Some of them they determine and ascertain what is a good mannerism and what is a bad manner, what is good etiquette and what is bad etiquette. Some of them might do so by observing animals. They might look at animals and how monkeys behave with each other and then they'll extract from that, oh, th this, is a, this is a good etiquette that we should have by observing monkeys, for example. They have no furqan, they have no criterion by which they can say, with absolute certainty that this is in the grand scheme of things in the objective sense of the word morally right they can't do that however we we don't need to turn to the social scientists in order to ascertain what is morally right and what is morally wrong what are good mannerisms and what are bad mannerisms we don't need to do all of that it's easy for us we have it served on a plate for us. All you have to do is look at the character of one man, your messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah alayhi salatu wasalam. Now good mannerisms and good etiquettes, a person may ask, how do I characterize myself with them? What do I do? Is there some type of plan that I meant to Adopt in order to become a well-mannered person. What is the secret recipe to be a well-mannered person? A person with fine etiquettes. Good manners and good etiquettes, they are based upon four foundations. If you want to be a well-mannered person, if you want to be a good-mannered person, then there are four principles that you need to be aware of four foundational etiquettes that you need to beautify your character with number one 
Preserving the tongue. Number one, preserving the tongue, taking care of the tongue. Not using the tongue in a bad way. Number two, leaving off those things that don't concern you. Leaving off those things that you're not meant to have any inaya for. You're not meant to have any concern for. You're not meant to give importance to. Number three. Don't get angry. Number three. Or rather, not being driven by your impulses. Not being driven by your emotional impulses. Number four. Having a clean heart towards your Muslim brothers and sisters. Four, four pillars. These four pillars, if they are found within you, embedded within you, they are strong within you, then they will then give birth to all other beautiful mannerisms, all other beautiful characteristics. If you have these four embedded within you, these four foundations embedded within you, preserving your tongue, having a clean heart towards your Muslim brothers and sisters, leaving off what doesn't concern you, and not being driven by your impulses, if you have these four foundations embedded within you, strong within you, then all other good characteristics will just branch off from them. And these four principles, they are actually found in individual ahadith. Each one of them is found in a hadith. Imam Al-Qayrawani, he said that the, the mannerisms, yani as a totality, as a whole, they go back to four ahadith. Four ahadith. One, the hadith of Abu Huraira. From the perfection of a person's Islam is that he leaves that which he should not have any concern for, not give importance towards. That's one hadith. Second hadith, hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsih. None of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Third one, hadith of Abi Huraira When he said that the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, La taghdab. He said to the man who asked him for advice, La taghdab. Don't become angry. The man asked the Prophet for advice, and what did the Prophet say? Don't get angry. And the man kept on repeating the question. And the Prophet kept on replying with the same answer. Don't get angry. So those are three hadith so far. Fourth hadith. Hadith of Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu again. Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir falyakul khayran awliyasmut. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him say a word of good. Let him say a word of good or let him say a word that is best or keep silent. 
these four ahadith, Imam Al-Qayrawani, he said, all other good etiquettes, all other good mannerisms, they branch forth from these four ahadith. And if you look, if you notice, all of these four ahadith have those four pillars of good etiquettes. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day should keep a word, should say a word of good or keep silent. That principle, the first principle that we mentioned, about preserving and protecting your tongue. None of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. In there you find the principle of having a clean heart towards your Muslim brothers and sisters. From the perfection of a person's Islam is that he abandons that which doesn't concern him. There we have the third principle. Leave those things that don't concern you. And the messenger said, Don't become angry. And there we have the fourth foundation of good manners and good etiquettes. Not to be driven by your impulses. So in, in the following sittings that we'll have, we'll have a look at each and each of these four principles. We'll look at the hadith and the underlying principle that that hadith, it implies, and the benefits related to that hadith in each of the sittings. As for the first one, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرٌ أَوْ لِيَسْمُتْ Whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let him say a word of good or keep silent i.e. if it is the case that you can't think of anything good to say anything that is beneficial what you want to say is more harmful than the benefit or perhaps the benefit and the harm it might be equal better for you not to say anything because Allah has said in his book no statement does he utter no statement do you say except that there is upon you a vigilant watcher. Who's a vigilant watcher? It's the angel. The angel that is penning down the statements that you say, the words that you pronounce. Mujahid, one of the great mufassirin of the Quran, a student of Ibn Abbas, he said, Every single thing that the person says is written down, even his anin when he's ill and sick. You know your anin, the sound that you make, that groaning, moaning sound that you make when you're ill, when you're sick. Even that is written down. One of the salaf, they said that if you had to purchase paper for the angels that are writing down the deeds writing down the things that you say, then you would end up being silent with much of your speech. You'd, be, you'd become silent concerning much of what you usually say. You'd realize if you have to purchase the paper for the angels that are writing down the statements that you say, you'll realize, number one, I can't afford this. So much paper that I have to provide for the statements that I make to be written down. And likewise, you realize, wow, look at how many statements I make throughout the month, throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the hour, throughout the minute even. And thus, once you realize that, you'll end up being silent about what you say, or most of what you say.
Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Abu Bakr. Is there anybody that is greater than Abu Bakr from amongst the Ummah of Muhammad alayhi salatu wasalam? Nobody. In fact, if Abu Bakr's Iman is placed on one side of the scale and the rest of the Ummah, their Iman is placed on the other side of the scale, what would happen? The Iman of Abu Bakr would outweigh the Iman of the entire Ummah. Yet this man, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala, anhu, he was holding his tongue. He was holding his tongue. And then when Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu entered upon him, he said, what are you doing? Abu Bakr said, this thing here, this thing here, meaning his tongue, this has led me to destructive places. He fears the consequences of his tongue. If Abu Bakr fears the consequences of his tongue. How about people like me and you who have no guarantee of paradise anyhow? And among the things that we need to pay great attention to as far as the tongue is concerned is the matter of riba, of backbiting. Riba is defined as what? Is it defined as going around and saying things that aren't true about your brother? No, that's slander, that's worse. Is it about going around and carrying one tail to another person to cause corruption upon the earth? No, that's gossiping. That's worse. Riba is less than that. Riba is merely for you to say something about your brother, about your sister, your Muslim brother, your Muslim sister, that they don't like. Again, Riba is to say something that your Muslim brother doesn't like behind his back, that your Muslim sister doesn't like behind her back. Allah Jalla wa ala has forbidden this. He has said, وَلَا, وَلَا None of you should backbite each other. Would one of you like to eat the dead flesh of his, the flesh of his brother when he's a dead corpse? Indeed, you would dislike that. As Shaykh Abdul Rahman Sa'di, he said, look at this. Look at how vile this thing is. That when you're backbiting, you're eating the flesh of a human being. Think about how revolting that is. Getting your teeth and biting into the flesh of a human being. That's what backbiting is. Not just that, but he's your brother. You're biting into the flesh of someone that's your brother. Not just that. But he's dead as well. Shaykh Uthaymin, he said, is there anyone that is more despicable? And is there anything that is more repulsive and re revolting than you sitting right next to your dead brother, getting a knife, chopping up the pieces from his body, the flesh from his body, and then picking up those pieces and then piece by piece chewing that dead flesh away. Is there anybody that is able to do that? Shaykh Uthaymin, he said, the one who backbites his Muslim brother, he is the one that is capable of that. So the point being is that the tongue is something that I, and then after that everybody else, should be cautious concerning how we use it, if we use it 
use it for that which is good otherwise keep silent that is one principle from the four principles of good manners the other three principles we'll have a look at inshallah ta'ala in some of the sittings that are to follow we ask allah jalla wa'az that he gives us the strength and the ability to protect our tongue because it's difficult it's not easy easy to say it easy to speak it all you have to do is just put words together and, and then say it saying it is easy but acting upon it it is difficult for myself for yourselves it is difficult and we can't we can only do so we can only get that control over the tongue if Allah the, the most high if he helps us in doing so so we ask Allah Jalla wa'ala, upon this blessed night by all of his beautiful names and his sublime attributes that he gives us the ability that he helps us in controlling our tongue وصلى الله على نبينا محمد والحمد لله رب العالمين